0: That's a terrible call. That is a terrible call. Brown steel.
1: Jalen. candles out. Get too agitated. Tate off the to tata, tata, bounce. To the basket. Come
0: on, refs. Get with the game here. Episode one of the GM Show. I'm your host, Adam Taylor, joined by the co-host, Tim Shields. The way we're going to do this is a little bit different. This is going to be your new Friday show every week. So we're not going to pretend we're Danny Angel or whoever. We're not Pat Riley. But we're going to put ourselves in their shoes. Each week, we're going to take a look at a different aspect of what the Celtics may be looking at, some of the decisions they have to make. And we'll also spread out and do the same thing for other teams. Try and give you an in-depth understanding of each team, each roster, their cap issues, their cap space, who their draft projects might be, who they're trying to scout. And that way, come free agency, hopefully we'll all have a bit of a better understanding about teams' cap rooms, who's going to be a player, who's not, where trades might happen and why. And we'll be running this show every Friday, 52 weeks a year. It's going to be tons of fun. Hopefully, we're going to get some great guests along the way. So this first episode is taking stock. Before we get into it, Tim, did you want to say anything more about this show?
1: Uh, no, I think it's, it's good in terms of trying to establish a base knowledge of understanding salary cap space, including uh, specifically the Celtics in this case. We're going to be talking about what we're looking at for upcoming contracts for the 2020-2021 season. Uh, Of course, a couple of our restricted free agents, some dead caps, some cap holds, as well as some potential uh, scenarios concerning our biggest free agent coming up, Gordon Hayward.
0: So with that said, let's start taking stock of what's on the roster for 2020 to 2021, which is next season, which is coming. So from my outlook now, the buyout market's done. We're going to need to start looking ahead to what's going to be happening in the summer, who's available, what cap room do we have, who's on a player option. So we know we're going to have Kemba. He's tied into a max deal at $34.3 million for the year. Gordon Haywood's also got a max deal in place. with a play, but He has a player option. He can choose to opt in or opt out, and we'll get to that later. Jalen Brown, his extension kicks in. $22.8 million basic with a very likely $1 million in incentives. Marcus Smart's on his $12.9 million and then another $0.5 in likely incentives. Tatum will be on $9.8 million and we'd expect to be discussing a contract extension with him. Don't you think, Tim, we need to get that started as soon as possible?
1: Yeah, by far it has to be the priority outside of Gordon Hayward. I think it's 1A is Hayward... 1B is Tatum, and I think the decision with Hayward is something that's going to be affecting the Jason Tatum extension. Uh, regardless, I think Tatum will reach an extension agreement with Celtics. I think they're probably going to end up just handing him a blank check and saying, tell us your number. Then you've got NS Cantor at 5 million. Well, 5 million,
0: 5,350. That's a player option. He might choose to leave. He might choose to opt in. But we'll discuss that in a moment. Let's just go through the rest. Daniel Tice is on a non-guaranteed for next year. The way he's been playing, I'm going to want to tie him up as fast as possible. We don't want him going away somewhere else. Agreed. Romeo Langford on his rookie-scale deals, 3.6 million. Vincent Poirier on a guaranteed for the last last year of that two-year deal we gave him in the summer just gone will be on 2.6 million. Grant Williams, 2.4, rookie-scale, Robert Williams, 2.2 million on a rookie scale. Shemi's on a non-guaranteed with a team option at 1.7 million. Now, it gets weird there, so we'll do our best to break that down. Carson Edwards is on his rookie scale at 1.5. And then Javante Green's non-guaranteed. He did sign a two-year deal, but that second year is non-guaranteed, which makes him the most expendable piece at the moment. Then you've got a couple of guys in the in the G League, you've got Taco Fall, you've got Train Mount Waters. So both of those guys, technically, their deals expire at the end of this season. A two-way contract's only one year. So what happens then is they can either negotiate for a full NBA contract, they can be read up on a two-way, or they can start exploring what's restricted free agency. It would give this we'd be we'd have a chance to match whatever deal they got. Assuming that Some team wants to kind of buy their way into the Taco 4 negotiations. The way our cap's looking at the moment, I don't see us being able to match anything of a reasonable offer. And Tremont Waters is earning value in the G League, but I think we're being smart in keeping him there so teams don't really get a sniff of what he's truly capable of. And I'd assume we'd be
1: looking at ways to make his deal guaranteed next year. And beyond just having Tremont Waters in the G League, uh, I know a Taco Fall. It is a question of whether or not you want to try and bring him up. Is he a guy that you could see contributing long term with the team? I think that is probably the biggest question mark out of those guys who are in your G League system. Do you think he's any more than just a name, any more than just an attraction to people? You know, everyone loves Taco Fall time when it comes to seeing him at the Garden in garbage minutes, but. Is he actually capable of adding anything beyond that?
0: So what I'm looking to do is see what Enes Kanter does first. If Enes Kanter decides to opt out, cap room's going to be tight. Taco Falls had a year playing in the system. He's going to be able to play limited minutes. If Robert Williams shows he can stay healthy once he returns back to the floor, then maybe we take a fly on Taco just to fill that spot left by Enes Kanter.
1: And I think that's a good point that you have there, especially with the Kanter situation. I was thinking about Kanter uh, when we were looking at all the contracts as I was on the way home today, thinking about in terms of his long-term fit with the team as well. I think considering what we expected to see from him, he's definitely exceeded expectations for this team. He's added a lot on the offensive end that I didn't expect. His offensive rebounding numbers are great. He's helped turn the numbers around big time for the Celtics this year. Statistically, a massive improvement um in terms of the defensive rebounds allowed. And if you're gonna go ahead and bring him in and keep him on for next year and you've got Time Lord, that's a that's a big step in the right direction. I think with Time Lord you really have to be careful about his conditioning and whether or not letting Cantor go affects his overall status with the team. Because if you let Cantor walk, then all of a sudden you've got no insurance if Time Lord gets hurt.
0: Well, it's not an option of letting Cantor walk. Cantor has that player option. He could choose to leave. If he chooses to leave, he becomes an unrestricted free agent and then it becomes a bidding war. As we'll get to, there's not going to be much cap space to be entering a bidding war. If Cantor chooses to walk away from that $5 million, then that $5 million is there or thereabouts what the Celtics have to offer, what we have to offer to another centre. Now, if you're going to be doing that, I doubt you're going to find another big with the production of N.S. Kanter on that sort of deal, at which point that flyer on Taco Fall does become more, more palatable because he's going to be able to grab those boards on both ends the same way Kanter does. He's also going to be a bit of a defensive liability. We don't know how his body's going to hold up against NBA-level competition over the course of a season. But at two to three million on a one year plus one, maybe then I feel like I'd be willing to take that risk if Cantor chose to go and explore unrestricted free agency.
1: And do we want to end up having a look at these deadlines in terms of the guaranteed contracts coming up?
0: Yeah, I mean we can get there. There's no problem. We can have a look at the deadlines. So under deadlines, the way it's going to be working is Daniel Tice is going to have a deadline for the third
1: of. Is that July? 3rd of July. And at that point, I mean, you you got to guarantee it, right? I don't think there's any questions there. Daniel Toys, we're going to guarantee Daniel Toys. There's, no
0: <laughs> cre- there's no question there. Romeo Langford's going to have a team option for 21-22, same as Grant Williams and Robert Williams. I feel like we're going to pick up all three of those team options. Robert Williams being the one that's least likely because we want to see how he recovers. If he's going to have injury troubles and that's something that really starts to rear its head, do we want to risk allowing him into restricted free agency and see where other teams value him? Or do we want to pick up that option of $3.6 million and keep him around for another year?
1: I don't think we want to play that game of potentially risking him walking away. I think he adds a lot to the team. And I think if you're looking at the team long view, he just is a crucial part of it. Javante
0: Green's also got his team option on the 1st of October. If they pick that up, then he's going to be guaranteed for $1.5 million. That'll be for the full year. After that, he becomes an unrestricted free agent. He will be covered by Arenas rights, which we'll cover in a moment when we talk about Uh, Brad Wanamaker and that's the arena's provision sorry so and Javante Green will have that coverage if they decide if we decide to pick up that option whether or not we do is kind of going to be a point of discussion he's been a fantastic pickup we he's really showed out in the minutes that he's been provided but he was bought in as an end of bench rotation guy and he's been getting minutes due to Injuries across the roster, it's been quite a tough season for injuries for us this year. Romeo Langford would be the guy that we hope can really fill that spot that he's been playing. And at that point, do we want to keep him around for an athletic punch off the bench? Or do we want to see if we can fill another position of need?
1: I think it becomes evident that they're going to need to try and fill other positions on their bench in terms of the rotation. I like Javante Green a lot, but as you said, if you're trying to give Romeo Langford more minutes, Green kind of becomes the odd man out. And especially when you're considering the draft picks that still have to come into it as well. You've got potentially two or three first round picks this year that you have to worry about trying to find fits for if you don't move them. Now, we've already discussed at length trying to move those picks or consolidate them in order to try to alleviate the issues you're going to have with roster spots. But if it becomes a conversation about either Javante Green or one of your first-round picks getting minutes, I feel like that's an easy decision to make, unfortunately, for Javante. And then we've got dead cap, which is always the worst thing we're going to have to deal with, especially
0: when we're so close to the luxury line. So we've still got a million dollars coming from Yabu. Where he, where we released him. And then we've got another 92k from Demetrius Jackson. It's not too much, but that's close to 1.1, 1.2 million dollars. Couple that with what we could save if we decided to cut Javante Green. And we're getting close to a minimum deal contract, which could be used on a veteran to try and shore up that bench and give us a little bit of an extra presence. So that's a, it's frustrating, but it's not unmanageable. What we need to do now is we need to look at some of the bigger questions that are going to be sticking around. First of all, it's going to be Gordon Hayward. What do you want? What? There's three options available to Hayward right now. He's either going to opt in and do the last year of his max deal contract, he's going to opt out and re, restructure his deal, try and get a more, maybe take a little bit of a discount and look for longevity. Know that he's got guaranteed money for the next four to five years and really take him into the twilight of his career playing under Brad Stevens and competing for championships along with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Or he's going to opt out and he's going to go out and test re- unrestricted free agency and bet on himself making a about what he's making now over the next four to five years. Each one of those have issues to the Celtics. Ideally, we want him to opt in. If he chooses to opt out and restructure, you start playing the game that you played with Al Horford. And if he walks away, cap room does not allow for for us to go and sign a replacement.
1: Yeah, I think with the opt-in, that's going to be the least amount of number crunching. It's going to be the least amount of concern. In my opinion, I still prefer the opt-out and re-sign, but I do see the risks with it. Um, As we have in our notes for today, we've got the opt-in. Basically, nothing will change with the roster. The cap stays as it's projected. You still have to worry about Jason Tatum's extension, but you're not worried about losing a max slot for nothing. The one beauteous thing about Hayward's contract and situation is that you're going to be able to keep him and go over the cap to retain him because you have his bird rights. With the opt-down resigns, the bird rights are coming in handy big time because they allow us to restructure his cap hit and potentially, as you said, sign up for a long term deal. Uh, you'd still be over the cap and you'd still be deep in the luxury, but As Wick Grousbick has said time and time again, uh, he's willing to go into the luxury tax to build a contender. And right now, considering the situation that we had last summer in losing Kyrie and Horford for almost nothing, that's a big step in the right direction for where we are right now. Uh, I still think a team-friendly deal, as you said, could be on the table, especially if it means that he's not going to have to carry the load and it's not going to just be on his shoulders Him and Kemba have both done this before on other teams and not had success, so being able to take the backseat to Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, that must be nice, especially if you're trying to actually compete, win championships, and play with this college coach and Brad Stevens. The one situation, as you said, is if it turns into a Horford situation, how comfortable do you feel in hoping that he comes back? I think there's more risk, in my personal opinion, I think there's more risk... To have him opt in and then hit free agency next summer when there's going to be more teams with cap space, more teams that are competing with cap space.
0: Yeah, that's a good, that's a really solid point as well. There is going to be that risk if he chooses to opt in and we go back to back for another year of what ifs. At the end of that, we have no hold over him. He can choose to walk away. If he has a fantastic season, we may be in a position where we struggle to keep him. However, He will be eligible for a veteran max. I don't think he'll be worth that personally, but we'll hold bird rights. So he'll always be able to make more money staying in Boston than if he chose to leave. Whether or not we're going to feel comfortable giving him that in the twilight of his career is going to be a different story. By then, the extension we give to Jason Tatum will be kicking in. So that's going to make it very close to the luxury tax. And I do believe that it depends on how we perform this year and next. And how close we are to obtaining that chip if we don't obtain one between now and then, that's really going to navigate how we approach that. But that's for a discussion on the GM show next year. What we need to, the main issue now, which we need to point out because it's super important. If he chooses to opt out and walk away, there is no money. He's not getting, we're not replacing Gordon Haywood. We can pick up a veteran on probably a room exception. We could, Tim, you mentioned earlier there's a possibility of a sign and trade. I really highly doubt that happens. I feel like if he ups out, he's going to be holding his cards close to his chest until he chooses to do so, at which point it's too late. So you're looking at a room extension, a room exception, and then extending Jason Tatum. Now that extension to Jason Tatum is not based or predicated around Hayward's decision. We will be extending Tatum probably for the rookie Max. As soon as physically possible, I do not see any. I do not see that being an issue. It will be a rookie max extension or close to it, and using the bird rights they can they've got for Jason Tatum, they can go directly over the cap and be fine with that. There'll be no point. There'll obviously there'll be a luxury tax fine if they go too deep in, but there'll be no punishment for actually going over to keep him.
1: I don't think there'll be any squabbling about figures either. I don't think there's going to be much of a negotiation process to that situation in particular. Nope.
0: he's going to sit down. We're going to look him in the face and say, he's your rookie, Max. He's going to say thank you because it's the most he can get anywhere. And then Jalen Brown's sewn up. And that's fine. I'm more than comfortable with that. In fact, I want to do that tomorrow if physically possible, please. <laughs>
1: For sure. The one Sorry. thing I will say uh, that you mentioned with the sign and trade too, it becomes increasingly more and more unlikely due to the fact that the Celtics would get hard capped, which is what ended up affecting them this past summer when they did the signing trade with uh, Terry. And they said Terry to Rosier to Charlotte in order to get Kemba Walker here. That's the issue with the real signing trade is you become immediately hard capped, which affects so much of your flexibility on a team that already doesn't have any flexibility. And we won't have flexibility no matter what
0: next year. So the hard cap, but the hard cap does hinder a lot of moves. It, it really makes making trades difficult. If there is one to be had and it does make picking up free agents or buyouts that little bit more tough to navigate. And that is another option. We could look and explore trades for Gordon Hayward. However, I feel
1: like if we do that, we're going to be alienating Brad Stevens. And it's a lateral move at this point. I, for one was saying if you're going to trade Hayward at all you were going to trade him at the deadline and even then i you can't do that without reason you can't just go ahead and trade a guy like that especially after everything with his leg break especially after the Isaiah Thomas situation it just wasn't in the cards you know i think this team needs another big but at the end of the day the way that they've kind of built themselves is they've got these great wing players that can handle the ball, can play defense, can shoot threes, that the offense can all be channeled through. And then they're just playing the name game at center. They can just throw out a guy at center that fits their system, that knows their schemes, that can set screens. And that's really all they need. So if they're able to make that work and you're keeping Brad Stevens happy, you know, you're being smart with your young guys, you're, you're getting their extensions out of the way early. So if you have to pay the luxury tax, you're paying the luxury tax. This team is building itself a lot like Golden State in that way, where they're not putting a big name at center. I mean, what's the biggest name we've had at center for Golden State? Was what, Boogie Cousins? And that didn't work out. No, it did not work out, and I'm fine with it not working out as
0: well. <laughs> Likewise. So let's go to a break. We're gonna to need to start looking at some numbers here, Tim. So we'll go to a break. When we come back, we can look at what's gonna ha- what options we have available with Brad Wanamaker and Semi Ojala who both have interesting caveats to their deals for this upcoming summer. Let's start with Brad Wanamaker. I feel like that's going to be the better one to start with here. So Brad, Wan- g- <laughs> what was you gonna say?
1: <laughs> no, it says I agree.
0: <laughs> so Brad Wanamaker is coming into the summer as a restricted free agent, as long as we offer him a qualifying offer. Now that offer is subject to the Arenas provision. So just to give you guys a bit of in-depth knowledge on the Arenas provision. Obviously, it's built around Gilbert Arenas, and it was based on his time in Golden State when he hit the restricted free agency. And he basically got an offer that Golden State wasn't able to match. So what it does is the Arenas provision, and I'm literally reading the notes I took earlier on this, it will limit the first year salary that a rival team can offer a restricted free agent who has only been in the league for one or two years. This free agent must not have been acquired via draft. He must be somebody that is undrafted or from overseas, which fits Brad Wanamaker's profile exactly. The starting salary that a team can offer can't exceed the amount that the non-taxpayer's mid-level exception, which is the which allows the player's original team to either use the MLE themselves or early bird exception to match it. So what this is basically doing is it means that the first year of a contract can't be more than the MLE and what that does is it gives a team like Boston that are really struggling to toe the line of the cap an opportunity to keep one of the players that they actually found and nurtured and developed and stop a team with a ton of cap space a team like Cleveland who could really do with a bench point guard who can just kind of slow things down for that young core It stops them coming in with a ton of cap space and taking somebody away from a team that developed them. Brad Wanamaker fits into that. As long as Boston Celtics offer him a qualifying offer, he will become a restricted free agent that's definitely covered by the arena's provision. Which is interesting because it doesn't happen too often. And Brad Wanamaker seems quite happy. He's definitely carved out a role for himself this year. He did struggle last year to get any valuable playing time, playing behind both Kyrie Irving and Terry Rozier. Tim, do you want to offer Wanamaker a contract?
1: I think I would. The one thing that would stop me from doing it would be where do I see Tremont Waters fitting in with this roster? Uh, Just because I really like Waters' energy. I do think Wanamaker is a, a better defender in terms of his size, although Waters does play with a really high motor on the defensive end. I think Wanamaker, as we've talked about before, in terms of his spot-up three-point shooting, has been a really nice surprise. And considering what his rookie season was like, as you said, playing behind Rozier and Irving was really, really hard for him. And he kind of had to swallow a lot of pride in terms of him coming over from overseas, trying to get a role on this team and contribute. He's really taken the reins this year and in limited spurts, shown some really, really nice basketball. I think he's a solid guy. He's technically in a rookie-scale deal, but he is on the older side. He did go over from college ball and went over and played overseas. So he is very seasoned, especially for that rookie-scale offer. But I think in terms of what he adds to the team, he's savvy. He can come in and help run your offense. He's not making a ton of mistakes or anything like that. He takes care of the ball. I really don't see any kind of risk bringing him back, especially for the number that you're going to have to bring him back at.
0: I feel it's a low-risk deal, depending on how many years the contract's for. That's a very big point for me. I'd be happy with a 1 plus 1 or a 2 plus 1. Now, there are caveats to the arenas provision and the early bird rights provision. They're quite similar provisions. One just covers players that have been drafted into the league. One covers players that wasn't. One of the caveats to the early bird rights is you cannot offer a guy Less than a two-year deal. Well, there cannot be a team option or any form of option on the first two years. I'm fairly confident that stretches over to the arenas provision as well. So, if you're bringing in Wanamaker, you can give him a two-year deal with no option, or you can give him a two-plus-one. I don't envision him. I don't envision Wanamaker accepting a one-year deal either. I feel like he believes he's earned a role in the NBA and a one-year deal would be insulting to him. And if he turns that down, again, he does become a restricted free agent.
1: I think offer him what you need to. I think you're right. I think a one-plus-one deal is good. Potentially a two-plus-one deal, depending on what you see with Waters. I think you have to upgrade Waters to a big league contract. You can't have him on another two-way deal. And depending on how Waters plays the at the NBA level consistently is really going to determine what Wanamaker's future is with the team. So I think a one plus one deal makes a lot of sense.
0: So if if we want to be converting Waters into a fully guaranteed NBA contract or a partially guaranteed NBA contract, somebody needs to get waived or cut. Because the roster is full at the moment. Assuming everybody comes back, then it's the same team plus draft picks where who's going because if it's going to be Javante Green we're, they're better to, we're better to cut him now than before that contract kicks into a guaranteed contract and then it goes as dead cap
1: yeah and I think it would happen before then too as he as we were talking about before especially if they're looking at the draft and if they're going to keep at least one of those first rounders as well as trying to get Romeo Langford some more minutes so I think Javante does become the odd man out or potentially maybe a guy like Shemi Ojale that we were going to get into with the next options
0: so yes yeah, so this is the other thing as well it's not just whether we want to convert taco forward taco falls got a clearer path if Cantor leaves then you convert taco it makes sense tremont waters would mean even not extending that qualifying offer to one maker and allowing him to become unrestricted or cutting Javante green now there's going to be draft picks three of them in total so three draft picks in total then we've got the option of right. So there's more picks than there are roster spots. So we'll get to that to finish up. Then you've got semi O'Jolene. Now semi has a team option for this year. The team can choose to take that option or they can choose not to take the option. If they don't take the option, then he can become an unrestricted free agent or they could extend a qualifying offer to him and have him as a restricted free agent. So look at it this way. If they pick up the option, that's the similar to offering the qualifying offer in the terms that he's part of the team i would assume if they pick up his team option then they're fully guaranteeing that contract they're not going to pick it up to then try and move him if if we say right we're taking that team option on you we're guaranteeing you for another year you're going to be on the roster if they choose not to take the team option they can offer out a qualifying offer they could say this is what we're willing to give you over x amount of years If Semi Ojale declines that qualifying offer, he's a restricted free agent. The Celtics have the rights to match whatever offer he's made to Shemi. Or they can decline the team option and Shemi becomes an unrestricted free agent on the spot. Now, by declining the the team option creates a roster spot. You do that if you feel like you're getting more value coming out of the draft than what Shemi currently gives you. Which one are you looking for?
1: In terms of the options for Sammy I it's tough because I think he adds a lot to you defensively. I don't think he – I think he adds a lot to you on the defensive end, but it's just a matter of where do you see his ceiling? Where do you see his fit? I think he plays really well off the bench. I think he adds a lot when you have him and Grant Williams together. I guess it really just depends on his figure and how much are you expecting him to take up in terms of your salary cap space. Do you really want to commit another roster spot to this Sammy Ojale experience? Do you want to risk that again? Do you want to see if potentially maybe a guy like Romeo Langford takes over his role or maybe there's a guy in the draft you're looking at or maybe there's another big that you think could help contribute? I just, I have more question marks around Sammy Ojale at this point. With his fit on this team, I think he's a really great defensive piece, but I don't know. I feel like you could get a vet who hits threes at a more consistent rate as opposed to, you know, trying to see where he fits long term with this team. I think you're better off trying to see if there's a vet you can get for either a smaller cap hit that can actually play consistently. And then once we move on from Semi, leads us to the draft picks. Now, I don't want to talk
0: about draft picks too much because we're going to bring be bringing in a draft specialist over the next week or two. I've already started making the arrangements to do so. I feel like we need to have a sit down with somebody that's been scouting these prospects all year long, maybe a bit longer than that if they were following them through college. So let's leave the draft picks until we have a specialist. We need advice on what what's out there, who fits where, and whether or not we need to be consolidating those picks and trying to move up in the draft, or whether we're looking at drafting stashes, or maybe there's a guy that could fill that end of the role bench where we can maybe move some picks, release Semi or Javante Green, and get back some form of value in terms of an NBA veteran. So this is the end of the first GM show. We hope that you've got some information from it. We will be doing this every week. It won't always be Celtics related, but we'll always type back into the team. Tweet at us if we missed anything or if there's anything else you want to hear. And we'll be back next week, hopefully with the draft specialist in place. Tim, is there anything
1: you want to add before we end it? I would say expect some minor changes with this team going into next season. I think right now they've got a really cohesive unit. It seems like it's a lot of guys who are buying in to their roles, who are playing together, who like playing together. So I don't see too much change in this roster for next season, but that's also really contingent on Hayward coming back. So I would keep monitoring that situation, but I think right now this team is focused on winning a championship and we'll have to see them test their medal in the playoffs and that will really determine what's going to happen with the future of this roster.
0: Okay, guys, and we'll be back on Monday with the Community Calling, which we will be recording on Sunday. Remember to follow me on Twitter if you want that pin code and the phone number to be part of that episode. Thank you for listening. Please leave that five-star rating and review. It helps us out loads. And we'll catch you then. Say bye. Later.